literally dead baby pills. Not kidding. Horrific story. Details coming up. Men chest feeding stupidity. Speaking of horrific stories, we got a load of them tonight and more ridiculous climate protesters, but they finally met their match. We'll talk about all that and more. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We only got uh, two more days left to May, and then it's June. Holy crap, that month went fast. Wow. All right. Yeah, we got all that and more coming up tonight on the show. We're going to cover all that. The link to everything we talk about is always in our show notes right down below. And uh, by the way, we got a couple of new followers we picked up. Thank you so much. I really, I love you guys. Thank you so much for that. It costs nothing. It's very easy to do. Right over there is a little button that says follow. You just give it a click and you're done. You know, you put in your email, nothing. Just click the button, finished. And off you go. I mean, if you have an account at Rumble. If you don't, why not? What's the matter with you? Get one. Sign up. It's free. It's easy. You don't even have to post content. You can just... Hang out and watch the Jay Sheldon show and watch the Miko update. <laughs> yeah, this is our little three and a half year old Shiba Inu, Ichiko Mikoto, otherwise known as the infamous Miko. And there she is, stretched out in her favorite pose uh, with an arm. <laughs> lazy Sunday, lazy hand on a lazy pup. Exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> she's doing great. Had a good walk tonight. We met a new friend. Uh, her, it, what was his name? What was her name? Shane? No, not Shane. I can't remember now. Anyway, uh, it's a it's a female dog, about thirteen years old, very old, and another female. Now, Miko's pretty cool with everybody. But sometimes if she's in the wrong mood, another female she's kind of growly about, she doesn't put up with much crap from females. But she was okay, and uh, yeah, they kind of sniffed each other out and hung out for a while. So uh, yeah, we Miko made a new friend. How about that? The Miko update brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox. BarkBox.com slash Miko is our special link. When you sign up, at BarkBox.com for a, for a multi-month subscription. You will get a free extra month. Yeah, a free month from BarkBox.com when you put in slash Miko, M-I-K-O. That's our special link. And BarkBox is, of course, a themed monthly box you'll get delivered right to your door. It's got two amazing toys, two bags of all-natural treats, and an all-natural dog chew. All sized right for your dog. They'll make sure you don't get anything your dog is allergic to. They are great people there. And if you are ever, ever not happy with anything, they'll make it right. They have a 100% happiness guarantee. Please do check them out. The link is in our show notes if you forget, but it's easy to remember. BarkBox.com slash Miko. And thank you, BarkBox, for helping to sponsor the show. All right. I am going to give you a warning. And I am going to advise you that if you are at all squeamish, if there are children in the room, I would strongly suggest that maybe you want to tune out for the next five minutes or so. Because this is one of the most disgusting stories. I think I... I'll tell you what. I seriously considered 
not including it in today's show because it's just that bad. But I thought it was important that you know what's going on. As a, a little preliminary to lead up to this story, uh, I've lived in Asia, Southeast Asia, for um, 21 years this month. Wow. And I've never been back. Uh, I miss it, yes. I'm still a patriot at heart, of course. If you listen to this show, you know that. But um, I have adapted to all the customs and traditions, and I enjoy most of it. There are a few things that still piss me off because they're absurdly stupid, but they are long-held traditions. I don't say anything. I just think in my head, rolling my eyes, you can't be that stupid. But it's absolutely a fact. For example, um, there are some cultures here in Asia, and Asia covers a lot of territory, but uh, there are some cultures who believe that if you eat tiger penis, it will make you stronger because tigers are strong. Uh, eating monkey brains will make you smarter. I don't I make this up, folks. These are hard-held beliefs. One of the most absurd, and I love this one, this is actually funny, is there is a belief in some Asian cultures that if you play basketball, you will be taller. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Never mind the fact that tall people play basketball. It's, you know, it has nothing to do with playing basketball that makes them taller. But there are people who will swear up and down and you will never change their mind, especially the older crowd. They believe that if you play basketball, you'll be taller. You know, there's all kinds of other things. There's numbers like uh, bot, which is eight, which sounds like gold. So that's a lucky number. Four, which is say, and that's the same word for die, say, and so that's an unlucky number. Most places here do not have uh, a fourth floor. It's 3A, three, three 5. So, yeah, they've got all these customs, most of which are just cute. A couple of which are ridiculous. And I have to believe that this story probably has its basis in some of those beliefs. There are no awful pictures here, so, but fair warning, some of this description is horrifically bad. South Korea seizes smuggled drug capsules filled with baby's flesh. Thousands of smuggled drug capsules containing human flesh powder were seized by the South Korean Customs Department Monday according to the AP. Officials said capsules were being smuggled, masked as stamina-boosting medicine, either by international mail or carried along in luggage between northeast China and Korea. The capsules, which were made in northeastern China, 
contained the powdered flesh of dead babies, not the chemical content as proclaimed to cure any ailment. Also, people living in South Korea used them as universal medicine for all kinds of common diseases, according to a customs official. The uh, Korean Customs Service said the flesh, this is the rough part, the flesh was obtained after drying chopped pieces of the dead bodies of babies on a stove and turning them into a powder to fill the drub capsules. The capsules contained bacteria, other harmful ingredients. No sickness so far has been reported. In addition, over 35 such smuggling attempts, about 17,450 capsules, have been exposed since last August. So far, no one has been punished or held to account in the case. Uh, The capsules smuggled were not intended for sale. So what? He said officials are investigating the case. Production details of the product and the drugs made from dead fetuses, human fetuses, or newborns. He refused to divulge the details of how and from where these dead babies were sourced. According to several reports, the source of such products is northeast China, especially the Jilin province. However, neither state, uh, China's State Food and Drug Administration or the Health Ministry were available to comment on the issue. No surprise there. The AP also said calls on Monday to Jilin Food and Drug Safety Agency were ignored. This is beyond me. All the little basketball will make you taller beliefs is one thing. But this crosses a huge line. Interesting, they said that the uh, customs, South Korean customs official would not say where the babies were sourced from, meaning they probably know, but they're not saying. And frankly, I'm not sure I'd want to know. This is insane. Absolutely insane. Same. Wow. All right. I got to get past that because I don't want to dwell on that. It just freaks me out. Unbelievable. Hey, Coles, are you woke? Are you ready to go broke? Yep. Not enough Bud Light. Not enough Target. Now, Coles. Here we go. The latest retailer to face criticism is offering LGBTQNRSTXYZ plus apparel for infants. The department store's onesies feature the LGBTQ plus pride flag and have drawn backlash from shoppers who claim the company is catering to the woke crowd. Kohl's, which has already seen its stock shares decline almost half in 2022, is now facing the same kind of backlash that Bud Light's getting and Target's getting. And people just won't learn. One Twitter account summed up the sentiment, said, 
Looks like another company needing some Bud Lighting. <laughs> and there you go. There's the onesie. Look, I've said it before. I got to keep saying it. I don't care. Have your pride parades. Have all the events and everything else that you want. I don't care. I've taken part in them. It doesn't matter to me. None of us care. Seriously. Until you involve the kids. And that's where the line is. And that's a line you shall not cross. Nice job, Coles. So, I guess they're going to be next. There's the Baby Sonoma Community Pride Bodysuit Set. Isn't that nice? <laughs> oh, Coles, you can't afford it. How about this thread from Twitter? Switching subjects for a minute. Any guess who has the highest drug rate in the world? Drug death rate. Death from drugs. The USA by a lot. Look at this chart. 52,400. 245.8 per million people in the USA. North America, 172 per million. Oceania, 102 per million. Asia, I'm surprised this isn't higher. 66,100. The next one, Latin America and the Caribbean, 55 per million people. Holy crap. The world average, 190. 1,900. Western Central Europe, 8,400. Wow, that's one of the lowest. The lowest, Oceania. Eastern uh, and Southeastern Europe, 12,600. And a bit of a bump in Africa, where it goes up to 40,000. But look at that. 52,400. And that was 2015. No doubt it's grown since then. That is a scary number. Damn. Wow. And we'll just let the fentanyl keep pouring across our border. Thanks, Biden admin. Oh, yeah. Let me uh, hang on a quick second. There is a video report from South Korea on that story I did in the beginning about the powdered flesh of dead babies. No, there is no awful sort of pictures here, but these are the pills. These are the pills. Look at that. In all kinds of form. Packed in baggies. They took them, they tested them, and that's what they came up with. That is a lot of pills. There they're doing some of the, I guess, DNA testing. That looks like a COVID test, actually. I'm sure it's not. But, um, yeah, it's... Okay, link to that also is in our show notes. I, you know, if you can stomach it, 
Go ahead, check it out if you want to read more about it. Mm, not so sure that I'd want to, but there you go. All right. <clears throat> Do you remember the white supremacist who drove the U-Haul truck with the Nazi flag into the barrier at the White House? Guess what? I'll bet you can guess. He's been released. Major charges dropped against Kai Sendula, the East Asian migrant terrorist with the Nazi flag who tried to ram the White House and take over the country. There is a picture of the U-Haul you no doubt have seen by now. Uh, he's from Chesterfield, Missouri. Drove a U-Haul truck, attempted to ram his way through a White House barrier. His plot failed. Police arrested the man in shorts. Police investigators then pulled an apparent Nazi flag from a U-Haul truck after the crash near the White House. Internet users immediately suspect, of course, including this guy. The only thing they found in the truck was a Nazi flag. That's it. Way too convenient for Mr. Biden and gang. Anyway, the guy, Sai Varsith Kandula, 19-year-old from Chesterfield, suburb of uh, St. Louis, uh, apparently was the white supremacist. Officials released his name Tuesday. No one was injured in the crash. He has a very limited internet profile. There he is. On Friday, last Friday, D.C. prosecutors dropped all the serious charges against him who said he was attempting to overthrow the White House. They've dropped all the serious charges. Justice is dead, my friends. And the January 6th Patriots are still, in most cases, either being sentenced to obscene sentences or still languishing in jail waiting for trial. There is no justice. <clears throat> Remember last night's show? Our theme was short firemen and fat cops because that idiot mayor of New York has gotten rid of the height and weight requirements. You don't have to be healthy to be a fireman or a cop anymore in New York City. Well, guess what? Not to be outdone, if you are a firefighter in Seattle and you want to advance your career, guess what you've got to get really good at and study hard? Uh, putting out fires? Rescuing people? No. That's not the important stuff. This is anti-racism and transgenderism. Seattle firefighters hoping to advance their careers now have to study this crap, which has nothing to do with that crap. 
Seattle firefighters routinely save lives, risk life and limb, extinguishing blazes, administer emergency medical care, save people's lives, dutifully keeping their city from reduced, being reduced to ashes and rubble. Amid record crime and above normal wired wildfire danger. But apparently that's just not enough. According to a new report from the Washington Free Beacon, Seattle firefighters hoping to advance their careers or assume positions of leadership now must offset their common sense with an appreciation for the latest in leftist gobbledygook. The topics transgenderism and anti-racism. The written lieutenant's exam once tested prospective officers to ensure they had the knowledge, reportedly now has uh, as much, if not more, to do on the lieutenant's exam with identity politics, social justice, than it does with actually firefighting. Incredible. There's more to the story. You want to read more about it. You want to shake your head in disbelief. First, New York cops. Now, Seattle, Washington firefighters. Who's next on the list? <laughs> yep. The Western Journal. Wow. Did you? You may have seen this. It's been all over the news. I wanted to share it simply in case you missed it. Two women are told they broke the law because they criticized a man who was attempting to breastfeed a child. Australia is gone. Get out of Australia if you can. Get the hell out of Australia. Two Australian women reportedly given notices informing them they have committed a crime by criticizing a man who identifies as a woman that was trying to breastfeed a baby. News first reported by the pro-woman, pro-child, safeguarding, anti-bullshit media outlet Redux. According to the outlet, Twitter contacted the two women Jasmine Sussex and Lee Whiston, May 16th, notified them they had violated Australian law in several of their tweets. The platform told the two a government entity or law enforcement agency had informed them of their alleged crime. The platform had been forced to hide the content from the Australian users. At least Twitter took the trouble to explain it. <clears throat> the posts in question had been very critical, as well they should be, of this idiot Jennifer Buckley, a female-identified male, previously announced online, after two years of transitioning, he had induced lactation and begun breastfeeding his newborn son. Well, idiot, that isn't mother's milk. That is some chemical crap, and in the last place on earth it should be is in your child. 
That is, that is just child abuse. Someone needs to take this child away from him. Nothing but a plaything and a political statement. You don't love this child. You're just using it. Says, we have no idea if the substance is even milk. It's absolutely a human experiment on babies. A volunteer breastfeeding counselor, Sussex reportedly fired from her job for failing to comply with the adoption of gender-neutral language in breastfeeding care. It's just insane. It is absolutely insane. There he is. This is the child abuser right here. Beyond the pale. Yet another head shaker. You want to read the rest of this? It's in our show notes. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And uh, as a matter of fact, do we have... Yeah, okay, this is a better shot of this child-abusing guy. The transgender mother, who was born male, described how breastfeeding her baby an hour after her wife gave birth to the boy made her feel more feminine. Warned by doctors against trying to nourish the newborn son, Auden, from her, uh, his own chest. But she went ahead and did it anyway. Doctors warned him because he'd be feeding his child harmful drugs. And he went ahead and did it anyway to affirm his narcissistic ego. This is the face of a child abuser who ought not to be in the headlines, ought to be in prison and very quickly have his child taken away. Because obviously there is no love for the child at all. Okay, I got one or two more here. One's good, one's bad. (laughs) We'll start with the good one because I really need some good news right now. You know, this whole bullshit with the climate protesters who are throwing paint on art, doing all this ridiculous stuff. Well, they thought they'd try it again. They were having a dance performance. And during the dance performance, these two knucklehead moron idiots came out with some sort of powder and a sign to protest climate change. But one of the cameras, one of the camera operators, wasn't having it. I've used these kind of cameras that you're going to see in a minute. I've used these kind of cameras in shoots that I've done. You don't muck around with these things. They are heavy as hell. It's a giant crane camera. It happens fast. But take a look at this. Take a look. They're doing a dance routine. Here come the little protesters. Now watch. Throw up the phone. Now watch this. Here comes the camera right up here. Boom! Ha ha! Yes! We lo- Can we see it again? Uh, it, that's worth, that is absolutely worth seeing again. 
Here we come, in case you missed it the first time. These idiots. And this guy operating this uh, boom cam, not having it. Bonk! <laughs> I love it. And they just keep dancing. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That put me in a better mood, okay? After all this ridiculousness about children and abuse of babies and all that stuff. Man, folks, when is it going to stop? It has to stop. All right. One last one, then we're going to move on to our book. Have you ever thought about climbing Mount Everest? Eh, not many people. Well, maybe people think about it, but they don't actually do it. We've had a couple people from here from Malaysia that have actually reached the summit of uh, Mount Everest. It is quite a goal and quite an accomplishment when it happens. And, you know, when you think about Mount Everest, you think about being up there, hardly any air to breathe, the cold wind biting through your skin and your nasal and all that, you know, just crystal clear skies. Yeah. Take a look at what somebody posted of what is near the summit, one of the camps, a big one, of Mount Everest. Take a look. You see the tents, but look in between the tents. Look at that. That is disgusting. You know, you would think that these people who climb Everest would be naturalists. I mean, of course, they're amazing athletes, but you would think they would give a damn about the great outdoors. But take a look at that mess. There's Everest. There's the summit off in the distance. Look at that. Look at what these pigs have left behind. Not a care for Mount Everest and its natural wonder at all. Wow. That is not what I ever expected I would see near the summit of Everest. That's whew, frightening, huh? Mm. Coffee break time. Speaking of which... Blackout Coffee, one of our sponsors. Just give me a couple minutes here to tell you about this amazing brand. They were founded on the principles of conservative values. The founders believe in the importance of hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, traditional American values, and perhaps most important of all, a damn good cup of coffee. The best small batch fresh roasted coffee and all done in-house. They sourced premium specialty grade green coffee beans at 80 points or above on a hundred scale. And their coffees are grown at the perfect altitude, the correct time of year, best soil, and then harvested at just the right time. They work with local co-ops and farmers that grow this high quality coffee, adopted a strict adherence to small batch roasting, it is just damn good coffee. And, and this company, Blackout Coffee, 
supports our troops, supports our first responders, law enforcement officers, and our American values. And I can't think of a better reason besides a really good kick-ass cup of coffee to help support this company. Roasted, packed, shipped within 24 to 48 hours right to your door. So yes, you will get fresh roasted beans. Right now, if you use the link down there in our show notes, you will get a special deal from Blackout Coffee. And I know you love promo codes. So on first orders, when you check out, use promo code JS20. J-A-Y-S, like J. Sheldon. J-A-Y-S-20 is the uh, promo code for an additional 20% off. Thank you, Blackout Coffee. Love you guys. I'm not kidding. Wait till you taste this coffee. It is amazing. Okay. We're reading 1984 by George Orwell because we're living it. So why shouldn't we read all about it? Uh, We got up to chapter eight so far, and we're pushing on through. So let's continue now with George Orwell's 1984. He walked on. The bomb had demolished a group of houses 200 meters up the street. A black plume of smoke hung in the sky, and below it a cloud of plaster dust in which a crowd was already forming around the ruins. There was a little pile of plaster lying on the pavement ahead of him, and in the middle of it he could see a bright red streak. When he got up to what he saw, it was a human hand severed at the wrist. Apart from the bloody stump, the hand was so completely whitened so as to resemble a plaster cast. He kicked the thing into the gutter and then, to avoid the crowd, turned down a side street to the right. Within three or four minutes, he was out of the area the bomb had affected. A sordid swarming of life on the streets was going on as though nothing had happened. It was nearly 24 hours, and the drinking shops, which the proles frequented, pubs, they called them, were choked with customers. From their grimy swing doors, endlessly opening and shutting, there came forth a smell of urine, sawdust, and sour beer. In an angle formed by a projecting house front, three men were standing very close together the middle one of them holding a folded-up newspaper, which the other two were studying over his shoulder. Even before he was near enough to make out the expression on their faces, Winston could see absorption in every line of their bodies. It was obvious some serious piece of news they were reading. He was a few paces away from them when suddenly the group broke up and two of the men were in a violent altercation. For a moment, they seemed almost on the point of blows. Can you bleeding well listen to what I say? I tell you no number ending in seven ain't one for fourteen months. Yes, it has then. No, it has not. Back home, I got a whole lot of them. For over two years, wrote down on a piece of paper. I takes them down regular as the clock. And I tell you no number. Ending in seven. Uh, Yes, a seven as one. I could pretty well tell you the bleeding number. 407 it ended in. It were February. Second week in February. 
February, your grandmother. I got it all down in black and white. I tell you, no number. Oh, pack it in, said the third man. They were talking about the lottery. Winston looked back when he had gone 30 meters. They were still arguing with vivid, passionate faces. The lottery, with its weekly payout of enormous prizes, was the one public event to which the proles paid serious attention. It was probable that there were some millions of proles for whom the lottery was the principal, if not the only reason, for remaining alive. It was their delight, their folly, their anodyne, their intellectual stimulation. Where the lottery was concerned, even people who could barely read and write seemed capable of intricate calculations and staggering feats of memory. There was a whole tribe of men who made a living simply by selling systems, forecasts, and lucky amulets. Winston had nothing to do with the running of the lottery, which was managed by the Ministry of Plenty. But he was aware, indeed everyone in the party was aware, that the prizes were largely imaginary. Only small sums were ever actually paid out, the winners of the big prizes being non-existent persons. In the absence of any real intercommunication between one part of Oceana and another, that wasn't difficult to arrange. But if there was one hope, it lay in the proles. You had to cling on to that. When you put it in words, it sounded reasonable. It was when you looked at the human beings passing you on the pavement that it became an act of faith. The street into which he'd turned ran downhill. He had a feeling he'd been in this neighborhood before and that there, were, there was a main thoroughfare not far away. From somewhere ahead there came a din of shouting voices. The street took a sharp turn and then ended in a flight of steps which led down into a sunken alley where a few stallkeepers were selling tired-looking vegetables. At this moment... Winston remembered where he was. The alley led out into the main street, down the next turning, not five minutes away, was the junk shop he'd bought the blank book, which was now his diary. And in a small stationer's shop, not far away, he'd bought his pen holder and his bottle of ink. He paused for a moment at the top of the stairs, on the opposite side of the alley, there was a dingy little pub whose windows appeared to be frosted over, but in reality they were merely coated with dust. A very old man, bent but active, with white mustache that bristled forward like those of a prawn, pushed open the swing door and went in. As Winston stood watching, it occurred to him that the old man, who must be... Eighty, at least, had already been middle-aged when the revolution happened. He had a few others, like him, were the last links that now existed with the vanished world of capitalism. In the party itself, there were not many people who left whose ideas had been formed before the revolution. The older generation had mostly been wiped out in the great purges of the 50s and 60s. 
The few who survived had long ago been terrified into complete intellectual surrender. If there was anyone still alive who could give you a truthful account of conditions in the early part of the century, it could only be a prole. Suddenly, the passage from the history book that he had copied into his diary came back into Winston's mind, and a lunatic impulse took hold of him. He would go into the pub. He would scrape acquaintance with that old man and question him. He would say to him, Tell me about your life when you were a boy. What was it like in those days? Were things better than they are now, or were they worse? Hurriedly, lest he should have time to become frightened, he descended the steps and crossed the narrow street. It was madness, of course. As usual, there was no definite rule against talking to proles or frequenting their pubs, but it was far too unusual an action to pass unnoticed. If the patrols appeared, he might plead an attack of faintness, but it wasn't likely that they would believe him. He pushed open the door, and a hideous, cheesy smell of sour beer hit him in the face. As he entered, the din of voices dropped to about half its volume. Behind his back, he could feel everyone eyeing his blue overalls. A game of darts, which was going on at the other end of the room, interrupted itself for perhaps as much as thirty seconds. The old man, whom he'd followed, was standing at the bar, having some kind of altercation with the barman. A large, stout, hook-nosed young man with enormous forearms. A knot of others, standing round with glasses in their hands, were watching the scene. "'I arsed you civil enough, didn't I?' said the old man, straightening his shoulders pugnaciously. "'You're telling me you ain't got a pint mug in the old bleeding boozer?' "'And what in hell's name is a pint?' said the barman, leaning forward with the tips of his fingers on the counter. "'Ark at him! Calls himself a barman! Doesn't know what a pint is!' Why, a pint's the half a quart. There's four quarts to the gallon. Have to teach you the ABCs next. Never heard of them, said the barman shortly. Liter and a half liter. That's all we serve. There's the glasses on the shelf in front of you. I likes a pint, persisted the old man. You could have drawed me off a pint easy enough. We didn't have these bleeding leaders when I was a young man. When you were a young man, we were all living in the treetops, said the barman, with a glance at the other customers. There was a shout of laughter. The uneasiness caused by Winston's entry seemed to disappear. The old man's white stubbled face had flushed pink. He turned away, muttering to himself, and bumped into Winston. Winston caught him gently by the arm. "'May I offer you a drink?' I asked. "'You're a gent,' said the other, straightening his shoulders again. He appeared not to have noticed Winston's blue overalls. "'Pint,' he added aggressively to the barman. "'Pint o' wallop!' The barman swished two half-liters of brown beer into thick glasses." 
which he had rinsed in a bucket over the counter. Beer was the only drink you could get in Prol pubs. The Proles were supposed not to drink gin, though in practice they could get a hold of it easy enough. The game of darts in full swing again, and the not a man at the bar had begun talking about lottery tickets. Winston's presence was forgotten in a moment. There was a real deal table under the window where he and the old man could talk without the fear of being overheard. It was horribly dangerous. But at any rate, there were no telescreens in the room, a point he'd made sure of as soon as he came in. He could draw me off a pint, grumbled the old man as he settled down behind a glass. Half a liter ain't enough, it don't satisfy, and all liters too much. It starts my bladder running, let alone the price. You must have seen great changes since you were a young man, said Winston tentatively. The old man's pale blue eyes moved from the darts board to the bar, and from the bar to the door of the gents, as though it were in the bar room that he expected the changes to have occurred. The beer was better, he said finally, and cheaper. When I was a young man, mild beer, a wallop we used to call it, was four pence a pint. Uh, that was before the war, of course. Which war was that? asked Winston. It's all wars, the old man said vaguely. He looked up his glass and shoulders straightened again. Here's wishing you the very best of health. In his lean throat, the sharp-pointed Adam's apple made a surprisingly rapid up-and-down movement, and the beer vanished. Winston went to the bar, came back with two more half-liters. The old man appeared to have forgotten his prejudice against drinking a full liter. "'You are very much older than I am,' said Winston. "'You must have been a grown man before I was born.' You can remember what it was like in the old days before the revolution. People of my age don't really know anything about those times. We can only read about them in books, and what it says in the books might not be true. I should like your opinion on that. The history books say that life before the revolution was completely different than what it is now. There was the most terrible oppression, injustice, poverty worse than anything we can imagine. Here in London, the great mass of people never had enough to eat from birth to death. Half of them hadn't even had boots on their feet. They worked 12 hours a day, left school at nine, slept 10 in a room, and at the same time, there were very few people, only a few thousands, the capitalists, they were called, who were rich and powerful. They owed everything that there was to own. They lived in great, gorgeous houses with 30 servants, rode about in motor cars and four-horse carriages. They drank champagne and wore top hats. The old man brightened suddenly. Top hats, he said. Funny you should mention them. The same thing come into my head only yesterday. Don't know why. I was just thinking I ain't seen a top hat in years. Gone right out, they have. Last time I wore one was at my sister-in-law's funeral. And that was, well, I, I couldn't give you the date, but it 
must have been about 50 years ago. Of course, it was only hired for the occasion, you understand. It isn't very important about top hats, said Winston patiently. The point is, these capitalists, they and a few lawyers and priests and so forth who lived on them, were the lords of the earth. Everything existed for their benefit. You, the, the ordinary people, the workers, you were their slaves. They could do what they liked with you. They could ship you off to Canada like cattle. They could sleep with their daughters if they choose. They could order you to be flogged with something called a cat o' nine tails. You had to take your cap off when you passed them. Every capitalist went about with a gang of lackeys who... The old man brightened again. Lackeys, he said. Now... There's a word I ain't heard for ever so long, lackeys. That regular takes me back, that does. I recollect, oh, donkey years ago. I used to sometimes go to Yide Park on a Sunday afternoon to hear the blokes making speeches. Salvation Army, Roman Catholics, Jews, Indians, all sorts there was. Then there was one bloke, well, I couldn't give you his name, but a, a real powerful speaker he was. He didn't half give it to him. Lackeys, he says. Lackeys of the bourgeois. Flunkies of the ruling class. Parasites, that was another of them. And Yenis. He definitely called him Yenis. Of course, he was referring to the Labour Party, you understand. Winston had the feeling they were talking at cross-purposes. "'What I really want to know is this,' he said. "'Do you feel you have more freedom now than you had in those days? "'And are you treated more like a human being? "'In the old days, the, the rich people, the people at the top, "'the House of Lords,' put in the man reminiscently. "'The House of Lords, if you like.' What I'm asking is, were these people able to treat you as an inferior simply because they were rich and you were poor? Is it a fact, for instance, that you had to call them sir and take off your cap when you passed them? The old man appeared to think deeply. He drank off about a quarter of his beer before answering. Yes, he said. They liked you to touch your cap to them. Showed respect, like. I didn't agree with it myself, but I'd done it often enough. Had to, as you might say. And it was usual. I'm only quoting what I've read in history books. Was it usual for these people and their servants to push you off the pavement into the gutter? <laughs> One of them pushed me once, said the old man. I recollect it as if it were yesterday. It was boat race night. Terribly rowdy they used to get on boat race night. I bumps into a young bloat on Shaftesbury Avenue. Quite a gent he was. Dress shirt, top hat, black overcoat. He was kind of zigzagging across the pavement, and I bumps into him like accidental-like. He says, Why can't you look where you're going? He says. I say, 
Just think you'd bought the bleeding pavement. He says, I'll twist your bloody head off if I get fresh with me. I says, you're drunk. I'll give you in charge in half a minute. I says, and if you'll believe me, he puts his and on my chest and gives me a shove as pretty near sent me under the wheel of a bus. Well, I was young in them days, and I was going to have fetched him one only. A sense of helplessness took over Winston. The old man's memory was nothing but a rubbish heap of details. One could question him all day without getting any real information. The party histories might still be true after a fashion. They might even be completely true. He made a last attempt. Perhaps I haven't made myself clear, he said. What I'm trying to say is this. You've been alive a very long time. You've lived half your life before the Revolution. In 1925, for instance, you were already grown up. Would you say from what you can remember that life in 1925 was better than it is now or worse? If you could choose, which would you prefer to live, now or then? Well, the old man looked meditatively at the dartboard, finished up his beer more slowly than before. And when he spoke, it was a tolerant, philosophical air, as though the beer had mellowed him. I know what you expect me to say, he said. You'd expect me to say as I'd sooner be young again. Most people say they'd sooner be young if you asked them. You got your health and strength when you're young. You get to your my time of life, you ain't very well. I suffer something wicked from my feet. My bladder's just terrible. Six, seven times a night has me out of bed. On the other hand, there's a great advantage being an old man. You ain't got the same worries. No truck with women. That's a great thing. I ain't had a woman for near on 30 years. If you'd credit it, nor wanted to, what's more. Winston sat back against the window sill. It was no use going on. He was about to buy some more beer when the old man suddenly got up and shuffled rapidly into the stinking urinal at the side of the room. The extra half liter was already working on him. Winston sat for a minute or two, gazing at his empty glass and hardly noticed when his feet carried him out into the street again. Within twenty years, at the most, he reflected, the huge, simple question, was life better before the revolution than it is now, would have ceased once and for all to be answerable. But in effect, it was answerable, even now, since the few scattered survivors from the ancient world were incapable of comparing one age with another. They remembered a million useless things, a quarrel with a workmaid, a hunt for a lost bicycle pump, the expression on a long-dead sister's face, 
the swirls of dust on a windy morning 70 years ago. But all the relevant facts were outside the range of their vision. They were like the ant, which can see small objects, but not the large ones. And when memory failed and written records were falsified, then that happened, the claim of the party to have improved the conditions of human life had to be accepted, because there did not exist, and never again could exist, any standard against which it could be tested. At this moment, his train of thought stopped abruptly. He halted and looked up. And that's where we'll leave it for tonight. All right. That's going to do it. Thank you so much. We will see you again tomorrow with another edition of the Jay Sheldon Show. Hey, don't forget to hit that follow button. Really helps the show out a lot. Really just take a second. Hit the button. I really appreciate it. We've gained a few followers there, and every one of you really counts a lot. It it, uh, helps the show. We thank you for that. I will see you again tomorrow.